Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Plan your next move in real estate with this fast, vital market news to aid your next real estate adventure. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 43 on the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, Scott England, one of the local investors here, talks about the nitty gritty. If you're not from this market, or even if you are, it's great to hear from other investors get their point of view from boots on the ground. We had good discussion about strategizing for your future, strategizing for mistakes that you've made in the past, learning from them, and how a normal fella became a real estate investor, a successful real estate investor. That coming up on episode 43, let's jump into the market here. Summer is approaching, and with it comes sales. We are still down on inventory. With only 113 homes being sold the last seven days, puts a lot of pressure on the days on market. If your home is in good condition and priced to sell, it will sell. You're looking at seven-day on-market median with the list price coming in at $157,000 and the sold price at $152,000. That's a median discount of 3.2%. What does that look like on the per square foot? $98.18 list price per square foot on median for the city and $96.55 sold price. Now again, that's the median. We're taking out those extreme cases. Looking at the REO this last seven days, not much. Two REOs closing. We don't even want to do the full metric on that. We'll just tell you. We had two. One, 1609 on City Avenue was listed for 100000 finally sold at 100000 at the list price. 6633 Whitehall Drive, originally listed at 119 and sold at 120000 going up again in, with the REO market. Funny thing about both of those, they were on the market for 60 plus days. So interesting to see that transition. Sometimes we see them go from REO, you know, first time home buyer kind of first look initiative, and they don't take it quite off the market until that gets done. Again, that's that first 20 to 30 days on the market. They don't allow investors to jump in there. So not much to report other than we're taking off. Again, same situation we've been looking at the week before where we're limited on inventory. Houses are moving quickly. The negotiations are still there at about 3% reduction in purchase price on those homes, though. Uh, and that's generally just due to offers coming in and things needing to be repaired and so on and so forth. Anyways, on to your news for episode 43. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian in Oklahoma City for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. LED art to shine at new convention center. 
Two large glass atriums of the new convention center will feature huge LED light installations that will offer shifting displays based on a live feed from city data portals. The $1.3 million art installation will be visible from the street and Scissortail Park. The artwork, dubbed Virtual Sky, was selected from 90 proposals from local artists. Artists Susan Narduli and Tina Agassian took inspiration from the Oklahoma sky and dynamic forces of nature, new technologies, and Oklahoma City aviation and aerospace. The lighting seeks to express shifts in the changing sky through technology and will be highly visible to convention goers inside the facility as well as those in Scissor Tail Park. Funded by MAPS 3, the new Oklahoma City Convention Center is well underway just south of Chesapeake Arena and will be complete in 2020. Neighborhood Jam to Anchor New Midtown Development Plans have been submitted for a new development on the site of the former Boulevard Cafeteria. The new two-story 33,000-square-foot retail and office building would have Neighborhood Jam, a popular breakfast and brunch spot, as the anchor tenant. The proposed mixed-use structure would include additional space for retail at ground level and office space on the second floor. The developer is the Midtown Renaissance Group, which owns much of the surrounding property, including Plaza Court to the south and most of the buildings along Walker between Northwest 10th and 13th. Fitzsimmons Architects is the designer of the new project. And now it's back to Landon with this week's guest. Thanks, Aaron. We're back here with Scott England. always like to bring local real estate professionals on the show to kind of share their experience with working this market and talk about what's going on on a day-to-day. Scott, you're here to talk to us about your story of real estate and how it mm-hmm. applies to the Oklahoma City market, kind of some real-world experiences you've had. Yeah, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm a full-time investor, um, have a, a few other things going on, but you know, I spent 10 years uh, in a career, in a corporate career in um, correspondent mortgage lending and got serious about, I mean, I, we had done a little investing um, beforehand, but kind of as a hobby, but got serious about it at the end of 2014 and uh, mid-2015, took the plunge and went full-time. Um, and I haven't looked back and I, uh, I'm a, I love real estate. I've fallen in love with it and, you know, I, I love being into the mix. So did you just wake up one day and decide I want to do in real estate? I mean, what was that? Yeah, was it was it a quick overnight thing? Or you know, was it funny, kind of gradual. Funny over time? story. It it was gradual over time. I guess a little bit of both. Gradual over time. So uh, my wife and I always loved to just drive around when we were younger, newly married. We would drive around, you know, get a coffee and drive and look at these neighborhoods and think, hey, you know, maybe one day we'll we'll buy one of these. So we always loved just real estate in general, and then fell backwards into real estate investing when we couldn't sell our first house. And that was in actually in Jinx. We were moving into the Oklahoma City area and made, um, you know, the very wise decision to move and purchase a second home before we sold our first. So Mm. you you know how that goes. So a few months of being on the market, not selling, we rented it out. Um, We were losing $100 a month with uh, property management. And then I just kind of paid attention to what the manager was doing and um, realized I could at least for the short, short term, do it myself. And, um, that was, it was kind of, you know, history after that, we ended up, uh, with a couple of rental properties by 2014 when we got serious about it. And then it's kind of taken off since then. Hmm. Hmm. 
So it's kind of interesting. So your house didn't sell uh, due to the market or the price, or you know, just... that was in twenty. Uh, that was two thousand and seven, and it it was mm. it, it was in a neighborhood where there was still new construction going on. It was a very small neighborhood. Mm. So you know, we were competing with kind of the first wave of folks who had purchased early and and were moving out, as well as new construction. And so there was not just in the neighborhood, but in the surrounding area. So. And, you know, we didn't you – know, we had about three months of, of time. You know, it wasn't a really uh, very wise decision at the time. We had about three months and thought, hey, this is not going to be sustainable. So we've got a – we've got a negative $100 a month sounded better than, you know, negative 1200 So Right, right. And, and you were able to buy yourself into a better market. Usually those construction, once they end, that's a, about a two-year cycle, two- to three-year cycle. So yeah. you can get kind of past that initial where – Look, honey, we'll right down the street. We can get a brand new, not lived in version of the same home. Exactly. You know, for only 10000 more. You know? <laughs> right. So, and that neighborhood has cycled, and we, I st- we still own the house. It's, um, love it. You know, it's mm. great now. And now it's, now it's positive a few hundred dollars, uh, a month in, nice. in net cash flow. So, mm. um, that, one of the things I love about rentals is, is, um, a lot of, a lot of things can be solved with time. Mm. Um, which, you know, fortunate enough for us, we had that experience with this, with this property. And now there's just, you know, significant amount of equity in it <clears throat> after 13 years and, and we still own it. And, you know, now we have options. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about what your week looks like. Sure. Uh, what does an Oklahoma city real estate investor do during the week? Right. <laughs> and I, I think you'll get different answers to that question. Um, but for for me personally, so Monday mornings, I, I have a coordinator that works for me. Uh, we meet, we kind of go over, um, you know, what the week's uh, projects will bring. What do we need to work on? What do we need to focus on? Um, and, and that's a time for us. That's the only time that we really get together um, in, in person. Um, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I had an office space for a while and um, it just... For us, it wasn't necessary. So that's, a, that's the only time during the week that we kind of get together um, in an office. Um, so we sit down. We go over what we need to do for the week. Uh, projects, as you know, you know, when you're working renovation projects, there's always, you know, once a week. Drama. Almost, yes, there's always sure. drama. And once a week is just never, never enough time to sit down and really um, plan. Mm. So <clears throat> uh, go over what we need to do for the projects. Uh, any acquisitions we're, we're eyeing um, or under contract on. And uh, so that's Monday. And uh, usually in the mornings, I, uh, I actually, um, I like to move around a lot. So in the mornings, I will, I will get out somewhere, and whether it's walking or, or you know, um, otherwise, uh, and try to do as much of the office work that I can from my phone. So kind mm-hmm. of a mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, sending out emails, communicating with, uh, contractors, realtors, uh, my coordinator, that kind of thing. And then, uh, usually in the afternoons, um, that's when I kind of reserve to, um, view properties that, um, Potentials. we're looking to acquire. Sure. Yeah. So mornings are usually projects mm-hmm. and office work afternoons. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on acquisitions. And meeting up with the crews I would imagine that are, that are currently under. Yep. Okay. So from a, walk me through you you pretty much have taken the reins. I mean, your strategy is why pay somebody else to do it when I can do it myself? Sure. And so how involved are you when you talk about acquisition, remodeling? I mean, are you involved as a GC per se during these yeah, that's, innovations? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. 
I try to be as strategic as I can when I outsource. And I think outsourcing is very important when it comes to pieces of the process that you know that you struggle with or may not have skill sets that align um, with those that would be necessary to, to maximize that that piece of the process. Hmm. So there, I'm very. Inv- I would say I'm very involved in the pieces that I feel like I can add the most value. Otherwise, I farm that out to somebody else. Mm. Yeah. So, and, I, and then, but and I am to very know the difference. On. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's that's good to be be able to know. Okay, here's what I'm here's what I'm good at. Here's what I don't, and let's leverage our time in that. Okay. So pros and cons right now. So we've kind of talked generically about real estate investing in Oklahoma City. Kind of your experience of, sure. of what you lay your week out being, you know, Monday starting and then kind of following that course with what's the plan and then following that plan and executing it throughout the rest of the week. And that's really cool that you are meeting, you know, physically or at least digitally with your assistant that first day and really kind of setting the pace of Mm -hmm. we're not just floating through the atmosphere here. We have actually got a plan. And then when you go through it. So talk to me a little bit about the pros and cons of Oklahoma City. And then also let's get into the nitty gritty of what you do and how your business works and what, I mean, why are you any different and how has it succeeded? Sure. Well, I think as you know, we're pretty fortunate in timing um, being involved in Oklahoma City real estate now. I think we're at a transition point in Oklahoma City uh, specifically, but also in Oklahoma in general, um, the larger metros where there's a wave of reurbanization that is happening. And I think that is at the same time that the metro area is kind of moving up to the next level, if you will, right? So I think there's two vectors going on at the same time. There's a reurbanization trend and there's just a general growth and economic uh, commercial trend in the right direction. So uh, I think we're fortunate, like I said, I think we're fortunate to be here. And I, Pros about the Oklahoma City area, um, I would I would say the rate of appreciation that we have, um, maybe not enjoy, but the but the rate that is the the reality isn't in fact a pro. Um, when you see areas of appreciation like I mean the, the ones we all know, uh, Vegas, Miami, Southern California, these areas, that's great if you're a speculative real estate investor. And they make, they make a lot of money. But I think it's important to make the distinction between what a speculative real estate investor does and why they do it versus a uh, long-term hold real estate investor, right? And there's different strategies involved. Um, and, and that's why I think, and I know you work with a lot of high net worth individuals who park money in Oklahoma City and other areas. And there's different strategies to take when you're investing. And if you are looking to build long-term wealth or sustain and maintain long-term wealth, if you already have it, that, that kind of market isn't necessarily where you want to be. Um, so I think Oklahoma City is unfortunate in that regard in that we have slow and steady growth of, what, 3.5%, something like that year over year. Just above inflation, yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, yeah, right. It's arguable, but yes. Um, you know, but, but, but on the same time, if I, if I, if I can just uh, make this final point, mm-hmm. Um, what that, what that does though, is there's not a, a steep correction curve, right? So if you go back to 2000 and let's call it 2007 and you look at the the five years after 2007, there wasn't, the sky didn't fall in Oklahoma city, right? Every, I mean, we may have felt like it was about to, and there were some areas that got hit harder than others, you know, 350 plus price range. 
But in general, we saw a low single digit drop Seven, in value. Seven point five percent, and and that's across the yep. board, right? So yep. if you look at hundred right. houses that are let's say one hundred twenty five thousand or less, with rent rates at it eleven hundred or less, those those barely there was a, a slight dip in those, mm-hmm. right? That's correct. Because um, they're a commodity, they're like water here, and and that's what we talk. And I'm sure you've done the studies on this, but you always want to stay in that median family income of the area. Absolutely. When you're investing in real estate, it's the safest bet. Sure, you can fall outside the metric and go higher in income, but you're 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 you know you'll get more of a grab if you succeed, but you're also taking a huge risk because they're very sensitive to market fluctuations, and in our market. That's oil and gas prices. Right. Absolutely. So. Yep. No, and you're absolutely right. And that's and you know, I if I if I do a flip project, which I don't do a ton, but I do you know um, a, a a couple on each market, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, um, every year. I try to stay at the 185 thousand or mm-hmm. less ARV. Mm, uh, that's mm-hmm. you know, and I know there are others who make a great living um, outside of that, um, but that's just that's the sweet spot for me. And, and frankly, I would I would rather be at the one hundred and fifty, you know, one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and fifty. If, yeah, good if luck. I could major, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. those have slowed up a yeah. little bit recently, but um, but you know, that's that's where I like to be for those, and I don't try to push the envelope on the number of those that come in. Mm. So we talk pros. Um, let's, let's uh, maybe more of the difficult uh, sure. aspect of working on a linear market. Right. Yeah. And so I think the flip side of that coin is that there, a lot of times you have to force the equity. You have to, there's really not a lot of additional margin. And this is not just flips, right? I mean, this is across the board. There's not the there's not an overabundance of margin to squeeze as out of every deal, right? And of course, there are these exceptions where you know somebody finds a great deal and and they execute on it and and, it, and that's great. But at the flip side of that coin of a linear market where things are stable is that there's no real chance to let's say speculate or you know buy in an area that's going to not just appreciate the twenty percent but maybe fifty percent yeah, right sure. right or sure. double over sure. two years well, well and and that's the burr method really is like a lot of people are trying to pull the burr method off because they've got right. limited capital coming in and it, it's it's getting very difficult to do that it is and yeah. it's in it's difficult uh in a vacuum mm. right uh pulling off the burr method is difficult with no other i mean you know negative factors or or outside uh, factors pushing down uh, on your strategy. So uh, it's doable. That's that's really kind of our, that's our strategy when it comes to our rental properties. Um, we kind of stick to that model and we've, we've had success, but you know, it's taken, you know, it's taken us uh, or it took us a while to get to the point and it's taken a very disciplined um, mm-hmm. strategy and mindset to to sustain that and be able to move that into Tulsa. Um, so I think you're absolutely right there. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it, forcing equity has to come from um, value adds, and it's generally going to be some sort of um, renovation and, and Burr Method type approach. You know, we talk with several investors about this concept of once you find kind of the parameters that you need, you know, this this is your buy-in price. This is your exit strategy. This is kind of the area that you were looking in. This is the the goal for you to refinance in a year or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, to sit and wait then. Right. And wait for that deal to come along is, is one of the hardest parts. Yeah. And in fact, earlier in my real estate career, it was like I was 
I was looking for <laughs> investors that were un impatient, you know, because sure. they're the ones you can make money quickly on because everybody wants to get their first rental underway, right. you know, and, and, and they're just ready to jump and they just need a little bit of push and they're there, yeah. you know. But the reality of that is, is they go out of business. Right. <laughs> and then you don't have them anymore. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we really had to rethink, you know, like, let's, let's really slow them down and help them make really good decisions and turn this into a lifelong relationship. Right. And part of that is, is understanding that if it takes you nine months, right, to find a house and you make 50 or 60 grand off that house, you won. Right. You won. You Absolutely. may have gone through bad deal, turned it down, rejected, you know, went there up, didn't win the bid this time, didn't win the bid this time. And it may take you a year and a half. But if just that one project you're working on nets you 50 or 60, you've won. Absolutely. That's, that's really, you have, you have to zoom out and look at a larger picture and not just think, oh, well, I didn't win. I've, I've, I've put in three offers and I haven't got the price I need, or I've put in five offers. And I think that's where the digital contract age has really helped that process. So any realtor that's still kind of clumsy in the dot loop and clumsy in the authenticine, mm -hmm. you're really shooting yourself in the foot because yeah. a lot of our templates can preload now to where we can support a little bit more. Now, I'm not encouraging everybody to just lowball everything you can sure. because you're wasting a lot of time, um, especially if you're running the bird calculators and stuff like that. And you, right. and, and you, and you just, uh, it's just not going to work from the start, you know, right. <laughs> you just spend so much time. So, um, how, what has been your experience with realtors in Oklahoma city? Um, it's mixed, you know, I mean, like with any population of people, especially, and, and then you're going to have those that you work with well and, and, uh, and, and vice versa. Um, and then there's going to be those that, that, that just doesn't, that just doesn't fit. One thing I will say uh, to your, to your last point, I think you're, you're doing a, a very good service to your clients when you are helping them to be patient. Um, especially on that first deal. The first deal is absolutely the hardest one in my experience, and I would not wish that on any other investor, but everybody's got to go through it. We were fortunate enough to, you know, I don't know, think it was necessarily a conscious decision, but it was just us. We had, a, we had a model at the time, and it took us six months to find a house that fit it. And even when we found it, we were second-guessing ourselves, thinking, well, this thing has been on the market forever, and there are people who are, have more experience and smarter than we are looking at it. Why is it? What are we missing? But it works out. I still have the property. It's, it's one of my favorite rentals and, and it was, um, we were able to execute on it and it was because we had patience. And so I think you're doing a, a, a very uh, positive service to your clients by helping them just kind of take it easy, stick to the plan and then wait. Um, but as far as it, uh, relationship with realtors, I think, I think it's the investor's responsibility to find a realtor that not just that they can kind of mesh with on a personal level, but that understands and can add value to their overall investing strategy. I mean, it sounds simplistic, but it, it does, doesn't happen as often as it should in the investor um, community. And I think mainly it's because we have a tendency, because there are so many moving parts to investing in real estate, sometimes we we, we take things at, at face value or we, we uh, take relationships, you know, at, at the first couple of meetings or we, we want to like somebody because of they're smart or they're very personable. Um, but everybody doesn't work well with everybody and, and you just have to find the, the, the realtor who can add value to your overall process. 
and will fit in well. And frankly, and and at the end of the day, there has to be a, a there has to be a a mix of personalities that's that's going to um, have a positive impact on the investment strategy. And the, at the end of the day, and, right. it, and it doesn't right. mean you have to get along really well. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it just means you can have those difficult conversations, mm-hmm. whether and in both directions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the realtor needs to be able to talk to the investor and say, "Listen, you aren't meeting expectations. You aren't you aren't meeting your own expectations, and frankly, not mine. And here's what we need to do to move it forward." Mm-hmm. Um, and and the same thing in the other direction. Say, "Hey, this you know whatever the problem is, there's going to be situations where difficult conversations have to happen. There always will be." Mm. multiple times, right? So I think it's important to be able to uh, find somebody who, A, has the knowledge and experience that you need, B, Um, their process or their overall um, uh, operations will fit well with yours, and then C, you can can kind of get over those hurdles when they come and and, and build that long-term relationship. Cool. I want to add something on there, too, that I've experienced the last two years really has gotten intense with so much demand in our market and in really any linear market Mm -hmm. because the word's gotten out. Everybody knows. Oh yeah. This is where you need to invest. The Midwest, (laughs) even the founder of AOL wrote in his book, the Midwest is the new East coast or West coast, you know, because it's, it's, it's the land of opportunity. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean it's all fair playing game. Um, I have had so many experiences where, Banks that are part of REOs now, they know they can get a lot more than they were getting before. Sure. And uh, real estate agents and agreements with those banks basically make it to where a certain sector, let's say the the class C banks, you know, regional banks or whatever, will all use the same real estate company because it's easier that way that they can just all bundle these packages together and then they can use that realtor. Mm-hmm. And what I've run into is that realtor has a tremendous amount of uh, ethical pressure sure. on, Absolutely. Their, on their shoulders because they're the ones seeing both sides of those offers. They're the ones essentially presenting those offers to the bank. And they're the ones that are looking for a quick flip every time right. because they operate underneath $50,000 homes. Right. So you've got to do a ton of them, yep. right? So I would say uh, not to shoot myself in the foot in my business, but I'd just be transparent with you. When you work REO markets, it is in your interest to work with those listing agents. Absolutely. And and that's that's I'll just say that across the board because a lot of times there's so much gunfire happening between the VA or or um, you know, let's say uh, you know banks out of California that have bought that mortgage after it's closed and it's passed through a bunch of different servicing, and there's just a uh, an acquisitions manager or a, or a, a bank release signature that they need, and he's just looking for okay, I need something that'll close before the thirty first. Right. Yeah. You're not going to know that. Right. That that was actually what they needed, or or they needed this particular type of release here, or they needed a longer closing, and they're not going to counter back because they just the banks very rarely counter back, mm-hmm. you know. And so you've only got that one shot, and then they might declare a highest and best, you know, and go out right. five days or whatever. But even then, it's a shot in the dark. Right. You don't want to overpay because then you're the idiot. And, and in a lot of cases, they're very rude to investors now. I mean, I've had. Last year, I lost an earnest money deposit for an investor. First time in like four years losing an earnest money deposit because after we went into the property, the 
another investor had come in behind us and ripped up the linoleum floors. Like wow. we went in, we walked through yeah. and we, we didn't see any damage, you know? And, and I guess one of the other investors that had toured after us saw like kind of felt something was a little off and they, they just went ahead and said, screw you people. We're going right. to rip it up yeah. because we don't want to put an offer in yet. And it had exposed this huge crack in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And we told the VA, we're like, listen, that's not fair. You know, right. like, like that's bullshit. Like we yeah. didn't know about that. You yep. know, there's no way we could have known about that before. And they still, they, you know, we went up through the top and the dude lost three grand. Yeah. Cause they got to put the 10%. Mm-hmm. When you do have a cash deal, you have to put the 10%, you know, and, and so that hurt, um, and, uh, you know, and so now I really have a lot less respect for VA um, and really just any servicing company, uh, because if that's the name of the game, then then you're right. I'm going to start ripping down your walls. Right. You know, during the showings. And yeah. I'm not going to know anything about it. Right. But that's what's going to happen. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because and that's it, the reality, what, what the situation's come out to be. So I don't know. Have you experienced anything like that? I have. You know, in 20, 2016, we bought the the majority of our deals from the county sheriff's auction. There, and it, and it, amaz- it always amazes me the number of people who show who would show up. Um, and then the amount of people, the number of people who actually ended up walking away with deals. And I think with, when you're dealing with foreclosures, whether that's county auction or just, you know, when you're, when, after it goes through that process and you're buying the REO, that really needs to be a primary strategy, a primary acquisition strategy for you um, because it's difficult. And at that, you know, it's, it's tough for you guys as, as, as agents to try to facilitate that because this is, it's a different animal, obviously, mm-hmm. both in terms of the, the, the asset and the, and the acquisition process, right, and, and the offer process. So I think anybody, it, and I think you're right, um, uh, it's probably best to, if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. one, make it a primary acquisition strategy. Two, develop a relationship with the listing agents because you may, even if you have another realtor, they may not get a call back from the listing agent. I, that happens all the time. I mean, as you know. You'll call the agent and try to set up a, a showing or or ha- have a conversation. You're not getting a call back mm-hmm. because they have to do that that amount of volume. Mm-hmm. So I would. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to know it's not always their fault. It's it's just the the actual mathematics of it. The bank doesn't want to spread the the REO load between multiple brokerages because yep. it's more paperwork, more problem. So they end up overloading one particular realtor who's given them this sales pitch of I can do 450 a year and I have all this ability. And then all of a sudden the reality is, no, you don't. Right. You know, I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, these, these transactions that you talk about that they're adding new pages to the contract every day. I mean, it's like, you know, we had a packet roll out the other day that it was 29 pages long, just a, just, just an offer. It wasn't any kind of, you know, we hadn't even gotten into any of the, the uh, financing specifics and we're 29 pages long. And I'm just going, I mean, they wanted us to basically give blood that the guy was going to live in the place. And, right. You know, they're just really cracking down on that. Sure. And I don't know really other than just government pressure coming from the other side of saying we're tired of uh, half of America or more than half of America now becoming renters, you know, mm-hmm. and what are we going to do about this? Um, so there's really, a, I think, a larger force there that's that's penalizing. Uh, and we don't even need to talk about Dell City. That's been an interesting. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, just we've we've had some interesting stories come out of there. So uh, we're about out of time here. Scott, is there something you want to touch on that you feel like these listeners, um, you know, maybe they're working a job at Dell and they've got 
no real time to spend in the nitty gritty. You know, they need someone to come in and kind of fill in that aggressive gap. Right. Um, what do you recommend for those folks? You know, I made the transition to real estate while having a full-time job and it's not easy. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a, um, a job that was flexible. I was in essentially business development, traveled a lot. So I had um, made my own schedule. I think, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to persistence. And if you truly want to be in the real estate industry, right? I mean, there's a difference between I, I would like to have a shift in my career and I enjoy the real estate industry and I want to make uh, make a living there. I think it's important to make that determination. Um, but and have a spouse that agrees. And that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah you get, that, that's that's, a, that's, that's the first that's the first deal you have, have to negotiate. I probably have twice the houses that I'd probably be bankrupt if I wasn't married. Yeah, to be I honest. was very fortunate that <laughs> yeah. my wife also uh, is. You know, she got the the real estate bug the same time I did. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that's that's kind of been important to me lately, and I've been putting a lot of my um, I don't want to say extra time, but I've been I've been devoting some bandwidth to this is everybody, but definitely anybody entering the the industry is that it's important to, to get a, to be a part of the investor community here. It's a little diffuse. You know, I come from a very structured corporate environment. And so that was one of the things that that kind of took me aback when I when I got into the business is how diffuse and somewhat uh, disconnected the community was. So um Oklahoma City, we're very fortunate to have what I would consider a, a, a pretty active uh, investor community. And I mean investor community as in like single family, small multifamily real estate investors, right? Um, I've been in a Tulsa. I, I actually grew up in the Tulsa area. So I knew the market and, and when I wanted to expand, I went kind of wide instead of deep. So, uh, you know, we, I spent a lot of time in Tulsa. I've got investments there. Um, it's, it's different there. I, I mean, mm -hmm. markets are very similar, mm -hmm. but you would be surprised how um, disconnected that that market is. And so it's 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 become important to me recently to try to try to help facilitate that. Um, so I've been doing some things. If and if I if I may plug, um, make a little plug here. Uh, I've we've just created a website. Um, it's just okoffmarket.com, and it's just a place that we have devoted to try to bring everything that that is in fact an off-market deal onto mm -hmm. one site we're not doing it we're not trying to get commissions we're not trying to get for whatever we're putting the raw information online um so that so that we can all have one place to go right and there's not 30 different websites or distribution lists that we as investors have to look if we mm -hmm. want to find an off-market deal right i mean we don't have real estate agents doing a lot of the legwork right, for us right. on that. Well, there's end. not a lot of margin for us. I mean, my gosh. I mean, I think you'll search for, I don't know, nine months for a REO and I'll get $1,500. Right. You know, I mean, that's just a transparent on it. So yeah. for me, it's like, yeah, the relationship long haul, but there's very few investors that actually buy five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 properties a year. So it's really right. a small party. But I think you're touching on something that's really unique in the Oklahoma City market is that it is a hillbilly town. And in fact, actually, I've, I was so mad the other day at the Ferris wheel because we were trying to shoot a realtor's uh, video, you know, for her promotion. And I do a lot of film work and... 
They were like, no, you had to have called ahead. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is free publicity <laughs> for your Ferris wheel. You know, we're just trying to take a video here. Sure. And she was adamant. I mean, just absolute adamant. You're not coming in. You're not doing this. Da, 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 da. You can do it. You have to f- apply for this. I'm like, but the weather's perfect. You know, right. we don't have time this weekend. The gear's already rented. I've already got staff here. And uh, anyways, yeah. just a reminder of just, it's it's still a hillbilly town. You know what I mean? Well, and I think, you know, that's a function that we are in a transition phase, right? And, and I don't mean a transition like it's going to be six months. I mean, this has been happening, frankly, since the 90s was the first sort of rumblings when, when Bricktown um, became what it is, well, not what it is now, but that, 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 that development started happening. And of course, MAPS is just, I mean, just, just skyrocketed the growth, right? Mm. MAPS that, referring to the taxpayer sure. uh, where you pay before you build and develop. It's a penny tax, basically, on all uh, goods, uh, sales tax uh, transferred within uh, Oklahoma City. And that creates uh, money, and then they use that money to, to fund a project and pay cash for it. Right. Which really works out great because we don't pay interest on our stuff and all of our stuff ends up being paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to make sure you're spending the right money in the right place. Yeah. So. Well, unfortunately, the city's done a great job. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the citizens who, you know, nobody would argue that Oklahoma um, voters uh, are, are happy to always pass um, income tax or not income tax, but a sales tax um, uh, legislation. But uh, that has happened. But but I but you know what you're pointing to I think is is a function of the transition right, right. and I think um, I think in our little niche of of um, all the commercial dealings that happen in Oklahoma City when it comes to real estate investing um, th- we're not immune to that and we I think those of us who are are heavily involved in it have to sort of you know we kind of, kind of have to take the reins and move the community forward a little bit um, or through or whatever it is. Um, mm. And, and you know, and I, and I commend you. I think you do a good job at, at that and, and trying to bring people together and, and facilitate. There is a trend in um, investment funds uh, coming into the state, mm. into our, you know, not just big commercial, not just big apartment, but in our, in our little segment here. Um, and I think you've done a great job, uh, helping to bridge that gap and, and, sure. and, you know, there's a lot, sometimes there can be some negativity around it, especially mm-hmm. from us local. I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there in 2014 and 15 things, you know, and, and even, and before deals were all around. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to look at it. There was and, like 25 people at the auctions. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, I mean let's get real. He's trying to right. beat around the bush, but yeah. 25 people. And then within two years, we had gone to 150 people there, all paying cash. So, I mean, but that was nationally. I mean, nationally, we've seen a raid on the 401ks. Mm-hmm. We've seen a raid on your IRAs. I mean, it, it has been, let's get out of the stock market and let's mm-hmm. get into something because all the shows and the markets and everything and HGTV has been pumping this and everybody tried to do their hand at flipping homes. And they found out the hard way that that's not an easy task. And you really, sure. it's a very strategic move. And not to mention when you're in Oklahoma City and you do a flip and you succeed and you do another flip and you succeed and, and, and all of a sudden you start getting momentum your company, but you're doing a bad job, you might get away with it for the first five or six. Right. Keep in mind, you're trying to replace your income and make a solid income. So you're going to have to do five, six, seven, eight 
a year right. to really make an income by the time you're paying everybody. And so I start to notice the same tile that you pick out. And I start to notice the things that your plumber does. And I start to immediately understand that this is one of your flips. No matter how many times you change your LLC, I know who you are. Right. And realtors that do big business in this town know who the renovators are. And we yep. stay away from the renovators that don't do a thorough job. Why? Because we're the ones that get the calls six months later. Landon, you won't believe what happened. Yeah. We've not had a bathroom for uh, six weeks because, uh, you know, we, we were cooking and then all of a sudden we, we felt water coming down the wall and our paint was bubbling. You know, that was last year. And I, luckily I was able to track down the investor, knew who the guy was. And basically through my attorney, I we kind of threatened him a little bit based on the Property Disclosure Act, mm -hmm. which yeah. he had filled out, not a disclaimer. A property right. disclosure act, and he had basically done all the plumbing and all the electrical, an entire rewire, unpermitted. Hmm. Which, hey, you change out a receptacle, you change out a light fixture, you do a room or whatever, that's fine. But you rewire that whole house, I'm coming after you yeah. for a permit. Yeah. Because you're setting that buyer up for a failure. Yeah. Um, or rentals even. That house burns down, you're screwed. You're out of business for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. it's, fire departments are not messing around now. They'll go in, if it's an electrical fire that you've had, they'll look at the permit history. You did a rewire. This is obviously new wire. They can tell that based on the fire because the house doesn't burn down completely now. Right. You've got plenty of evidence left. Oh, wow, you didn't have any smoke detectors. And then the city does a civil lawsuit against you as the homeowner or you as the, the landlord. And now you've got a city on your back, and good luck getting permits in the future. Well, I think this is that's a, that's yep. a, uh, points to exactly why it's it's imperative that that we have a strong community, mm -hmm. and so that we can, in some ways, self police, so that we, you know, Big Brother doesn't have to come in and and that's exactly and make, right and and, 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 and force choke down Dull rules. City, and and Dull right. City looks like Detroit right now. Right. So I think you know having that, and, and that's a very short uh, short sighted way of approaching things, and I think. Um, you know, for Oklahoma City, um, for for those who are local or coming in uh, and investing from from out of state, it's important to, to remember that um, I can say it's you have to approach Oklahoma City or Oklahoma in general as a land run and not a gold rush. Right. Mm. There isn't it's sort of a land run right now, but everybody has to remember that you still have to plow Cultivate. the field. Right. Sure. It takes time and you're and you'll like and you're going to have you know, you'll have your farm that you can, right. you know, harvest from, but it's not gold just flowing through the streams. And I think it's important for us to take that mindset because it's, mm -hmm. this is going to be, you know, this is a long transition and it will continue to be a transition um, in Oklahoma where our metros are, it, it is, it's crazy to me how, and I don't want to say hot, but the activity, the level of acti activity that's happening. And I've lived here all my life in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And you go through these neighborhoods and you just see the amount of, of um, redevelopment happening and, and new development. Um, but it's going to be here for a while. And we can sustain, you know, if, I know the, the big talk now is correction and, 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 and things like that. But a lot of that's on a national level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just really is. And not that we won't be affected, but I think to, to be chicken little or to not incorporate... Um, so, uh, the the point at which we're in the cycle to either let that inhibit you or or in some way you think there's some grand opportunity to make quick cash. It's just not. It's a little too short sighted, and I think um, it's important to, to look at Oklahoma City over the long term. All right, folks, you heard it from Scott England on the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. 
Subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information. We need ideas for our show and we want to hear from you. Visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Looking to buy or sell in Oklahoma City? Meet with the award-winning team today at OKCRealEstateShow.com. That's OKCRealEstateShow.com.